0: Hey there, it's Scary Parish. It's Wednesday, October 20th, 2021. Welcome back to the CBS Sports Eye on College Basketball podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black. Matt Norlanda is here with me, and today we will be continuing our conference previews that we're publishing in alphabetical order. On Tuesday, we had like 29 minutes on the American Athletic Conference and six minutes on Recovering the Satellites. Today, we will turn our attention to the ACC and... August and everything after. Dead leg, real quick. What's the best track on
1: August and Everything After? Rain King. Yeah. I think we agree. It's
0: Rain King. Unless I'm sad, then it's raining in Baltimore. <laughs>
1: Rain King is the best track on August and Everything After, and A Murder of One is the most underrated track on August and Everything After.
0: Do you ever get sad and just listen to Raining in Baltimore? Not really. No. no.
1: But you always <laughs> gotta have a little bit of mel- <laughs> you gotta have a little bit of melancholy to you, generally speaking, if you're gonna spend some counting crows. We are now back-to-back episodes talking Counting Crows, which I'm all in favor of.
0: I I don't really get sad anymore and listen to Raining in Baltimore, but boy, there was a time way back a long time ago. I go through it every once in a while. <laughs> okay, let's get to the ACC. Okay. Uh the storyline heading into the season is obviously And undeniably, Mike Krzyzewski's final season at Duke. Um, So let's start here. Does this bother you in any way? I see people tweet. This is why I ask. People tweet from time to time that they can't stand the Coach K Farewell Tour. And they're already sick of it. And I, I, I don't understand it. Like, what about the greatest coach in college basketball history, coaching one final season? What about that is so bothersome? to some people. Cause I don't, I don't, it doesn't register with me.
1: I'd actually like to hear from listeners on this. So if you want to, if you're someone that finds themselves in this particular group and you're not necessarily a born and bred Carolina fan where it's inside your, your DNA, uh, I'd actually be interested to hear. Cause I know there are people that, that think this we're on, you know, we're on October 19th, October 20th, October 21st here. And we've got plenty of time to go here. It's creeping up the season, but like we're still, you know, We're technically less than three weeks away, but this idea that people are already sick of it, uh, wait until we get to the first week of December, let alone once the NFL season's done. Wait till we get to the Champions Classic. Exactly, exactly. So, I mean, I think this just basically ties to, you know, obviously Duke is Duke, and Mike Krzyzewski and Duke have become the most polarizing program. I say become, they've been the most polarizing program in college basketball for a long time. And... I think people, some people think that Mike Krzyzewski, going about it the way he did, which I don't necessarily object to, but I think people that will find any reason to hate Duke and Coach K, you know, him doing this and having a farewell tour, uh, you know, and instead of doing it the way that Roy Williams did it, which I find interesting how one coach dropped it out of nowhere. Basically, almost nobody knew that was happening. And then Mike Krzyzewski takes the opposite approach there. It's just going to rub people the wrong way. And then when you consider that, I think a lot of people have for a long time thought that ESPN, uh, given how many Duke basketball players have worked and work at that network, um, continue to, you know, uh, showcase that program and highlight that program and give more love to that program than any other. I think all of those factors add in, but at this stage, you know, I don't think it has much basis, but... (laughs) Just wait, just wait until we get into the season, and uh, cause I do think i I wrote this, I think in my preseason, fifty things to know fifty days before the start of the season. Uh, I do think that there's gonna I don't know if Duke will ever get more saturated than the Zion coverage, but I think that this season, if Duke is good, let me qualify this if Duke is one, two, three, four seed good. I don't know if if the attention paid on Duke is ever going to be bigger than it is this season, with the only exception of when Zion Williamson was there.
0: Not only am I not bothered by the Coach K farewell tour, I love it. Like, I, I, I wish all legendary coaches would have these things. Like, I don't... My, like, you can go out however you want to go out. I respect Roy for just... You know, I know he didn't just wake up one day and decide, but like, that's what it felt like. It, like he just decided, all right, I'm, I'm done with this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and now he's like, you know, I, th- I think I saw a picture of him recently it grew a beard like Letterman, not quite like Letterman, but like playing golf and just enjoying retirement as he should. Um, but I would have liked to have, you know, been aware heading into like, Hey, this is Roy's last game at the Smith center hey, this is Roy's last game against Duke. Hey, this is Roy's maybe, you know, the last NCAA tournament appearance. Like, we didn't get to experience that in real time. And and perhaps, you know, big picture, it's not that important. But I like the idea that we're going to go to New York in a few weeks and we will both watch in person and experience Mike Shishevsky's first game of his final season. And then there will be a last game in Cameron Indoor, which will be an amazing experience. And then, you know, who knows if they'll be good? I think they'll be good. Uh, But they certainly have the roster that suggests they can be really good. And we could go into the NCAA tournament with Mike Krzyzewski trying to walk it off. You know, having a realistic chance to win a national championship, cut nets and call it a career. And... The, the idea that we know all of this in advance and then and we'll be able to properly appreciate because I don't care whether you like him or hate the guy. Um He's like the greatest to have ever done it at the collegiate level. You know, I, I'm not going to tell the people how to feel, but I just don't understand uh, what's not to enjoy about that.
1: I mean, it's just Duke, man. People are going to and people, you know. I'm not saying I'm not saying the majority, but I'm not breaking news here. There's just always been a certain faction of college basketball's fan base that has loved and embraced hating Duke, and so by attachment to that, Mike Trushevsky, you, you stick around long enough, you're good. You're good for that long. You're great for that long. It's just you're going to bring about enemies, and now um, I think social media also just piles onto this because we're just going to see it more. You know, whether you use Twitter or. You know, TikTok, which I am not on, uh, or Instagram. However, you know you're getting all that stuff. Um, reaction to it is more, you know, available to you and in your face than it ever has been before. But it'll be that'll be an interesting night. Uh, you know, a, a little less than three weeks from now, in that uh, the college football playoff rankings will come out as they always do between those two games of the Champions Classic. So that'll be a, you know, it's not the final one. I don't even think it's the first one. I think it's the second one. Um, that creates its own. Uh, section of headlines but really the biggest story in the sport that day and probably the day before leading into it will be the kick of the college basketball season and then really it's just you know the first game for Mike chess and what will be his final game of his career at the garden against kentucky it'll be a it'll be a huge spectacle as it should be and i'm eager to be there on hand with you and and you know be able to witness that and chronicle it and see see how it all kicks off you know we'll get more into this obviously as we get closer but um and I just love the idea that it's those two schools playing after the season they had last year and nothing's guaranteed. We'll see if Duke can be, uh, you know, measurably better than the, than the, than the underwhelming and inconsistent group it was last year.
0: I think where I might have a blind spot here, you know, the reason I can't understand why people don't enjoy this um, as much as they seem to be, you know, in, in some cases bothered by it is because I, I don't hate teams. Like I'm a Mets fan, but I don't hate the Yankees. You hate Marquette, the,
1: right? You've always hated Marquette. <laughs> yes, I've always hated Marquette. Okay. So glad Dawson Garcia found a home in the ACC. Exactly, <laughs> and we will get to Mr. <laughs> no. Garcia. But I know what you're saying. You don't. Like I, like uh, I, yeah. Well, some of it with the Yankees Mets stuff is
0: uh, I didn't grow up in New York, so I wasn't surrounded by Yankees fans telling me the Mets suck all the time, right? So I I don't I'd never experienced that. But like um, the Braves are in the playoffs right now and, like, their their, their their best player is, like, from here. He, he went to high school 200 yards from my wife's store. Um, you know, like, and, and so I, wa- I would love to see him win a World Series. And I tweeted something along the lines those lines the other night. And somebody was like, as a Mets fan, you can't be rooting for the Braves. And I'm like, I don't hate the Braves, even though the Braves have been torturing the Mets basically my entire adult life. Like, I don't hate teams. Um, so maybe that's it. Like, I can't understand why somebody would just – Hate Duke or hate Mike Tschetschinsky because I don't. I don't hate any team. I hate the only thing I, I hate some fan bases. That's true. Some, but I. Some. No, yeah, I, but just I think some.
1: by I think by the time we get to Valentine's Day, uh, there's no love loss, and and that's some is most because you've been ranking teams daily for the entire season, and they've they've all found you so. Yeah, but I, think, I, I really do think it's just some. I okay. do hate some fan bases, but I don't hate any
0: teams. I don't hate any things, and so maybe that's why I can't understand the hatred because I don't have hate in my heart. Except for some fan bases. Except for some, some fan bases. I'll text you which ones. We'll rank <laughs> them later. So not only is Coach K the story heading into uh, this ACC season, he also is the man who has the best player and the team picked to finish first in the league. We're going to get into that next, but first, check this out.
1: with a dead cell phone. Think about those adventurous activities you can do like me taking a ski trip up with the family, maybe going on a camping expedition, anything and everything. Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details.
0: Robert Half Research indicates nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. So the official ACC preseason poll was released this week. Duke was picked to win the conference. The predicted order to finish, it is as follows. Number one, Duke. Duke picked the finish first, followed by Florida State at two, North Carolina at three, Virginia at four, Virginia Tech at five, Louisville at six, Syracuse at seven, Notre Dame at eight, NC State at nine, Georgia Tech 10, Clemson at 11, Miami at 12, Wake Forest at 13, Pitt at 14, and Boston College at 15. It's interesting, the top eight is the same as my top eight, just in a slightly different order. I have UNC second and FSU third instead of FSU second and UNC third. But I don't feel strongly about that. Like, I have North Carolina 15th in my top 25-1, and Florida State 19th. So I have those teams pretty similar. And you can reasonably rank them in any order, I think. So before we get into the rest of the ACC, and I promise we're going to get into the rest of the ACC, let's do focus on Duke and its chances of winning the league title. As you know, they lost uh, top two scores from last season early to the NBA draft. Matthew Hurt, DJ Stewart. You realize neither of them got drafted, and neither is on an NBA roster.
1: I knew both didn't get drafted. If you would ask me to guess if either was on a roster, I would actually guess that Hurts on a roster, but I didn't know that he didn't make. I didn't know that you know. As we started the NBA, would literally start started season last night. I didn't know that he's not on a roster.
0: was like a final week cut by the Grizzlies, and so he's out of a job. Stewart's out of a job. They will make money playing basketball somewhere. Yeah, but is this true? They could be making more money with name, image, and likeness deals right now at Duke than they're actually probably making right now.
1: Oh, that'd be—I I don't know the details of their uh, their contracts. I assume they're on—if uh, they're even on— I don't ex- think they, don't ex- think they have nine. contracts. Yeah, ex- or they, they might have been on an Exhibit 9 before all this happened. Uh, a real quick on this, just— just as a reminder of how these things can go sometimes, and we could look up in four years and Matthew Hurt want, turns himself into a, just a nice role player, fourth guy off the bench who can give you a couple of threes a night on a, on a borderline playoff team or something like that. I remember three years ago, us being in Vegas, seeing Matthew Hurt play in a gym. I want to say that was the first summer Penny was on the road. But, like, Penny, Duke, a lot of schools were were chasing him. And at the time, it was this idea that Matthew Hurt was the kind of player, you know, highly rated, five-star prospect, get to your school and really, you know, help push you toward, like, final four aspirations. Um, To go from that, which just wasn't that long ago, uh, and he was a nice player at Duke, uh, to now you look up and you see him, it's just, you know... There are plenty of other guys whose stories don't go this way, and I'm, I'm not saying this is the end of Matthew Hurt's career. It's not, but sometimes we really do look up and it's like, damn, I remember it feels like three and a half months ago when this guy was, you know, as as hot of a prospect for a, for a certain period of time in the summer as you could ever imagine, and it, it, making the NBA is really, really hard, and sticking in the NBA is even harder. And, um, you know, when you brought up Hurt in particular, that that kind of flashed in my mind.
0: Well, you mentioned he could someday. We look up in four years, and he's like the fourth guy off the bench for a playoff contender. More likely, more likely, we never hear from him again. I mean, they, like, that, they, boy, there's a big difference from being a, a, a really great college prospect and a really great NBA prospect. If you can't move your feet a certain way, it gets really hard for you to get to that league. And so, listen, I, I, I'm not ruling anything out. If you can shoot, um, you got a chance, and he can obviously shoot, but – you know, it, it being the opening week of the NBA season and him not being on a roster anywhere, and Stewart neither, um, it just speaks to, I'm not saying they made bad decisions, but, uh, you know, they, they left early for the NBA draft and then didn't get drafted. That's 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 not ideal. So regardless, Duke brings back three of the top five scores. So scores three, four, and five. It's Wendell Moore, Jeremy Roach, Mark Williams. So those are three guys that average somewhere between seven and ten points per game, and, and you know, Moore and Roach averaged You know, 27 minutes per game. Mark Williams was at 15.2. And then they're adding to that a recruiting class that is ranked number five in the country, according to 24-7 sports. But it's the only class with three five-star prospects. Like Memphis has the number one class, but it's got two five-star prospects. Duke has three. Um, uh, Paulo Bencaro, who is ranked second in the class. A.J. Griffin, ranked 17th in the class. And then Trevor Kills, who is ranked 22nd in the class. So you've got three guys who were rotation players on what amounted to a bubble team last season back. And then you add three five-star freshmen, including the guy in Bancara, who I think is going to be the best freshman in college basketball, a first-team All-American, and the number one pick in the 2022 NBA draft. I'm not predicting Duke will win the national championship. If I can only take one team, I'll take Gonzaga. But I can absolutely see Duke competing for this national championship. And if you think Coach K's final season is a big story now, wait until he's going into the NCAA tournament, you know, theoretically with a one seed and a real chance to to cut nets on that first night, uh, Monday night in April. Then it becomes, you know, the biggest story in sports.
1: I think Duke's chances of being a one seed, I'm not saying that you're saying they will. Uh, I think the Blue Devils has a have a very small chance of being a one seed. And the reason why I say that, uh, as we talk about the ACC on this pod, is um, – the league will just be okay. It'll be good, not great, and I think the opportunities for a lot of quad one wins that will stack up to other teams that are going to be on that one line. Let alone can Duke be much better than it was last year. I think that's a huge factor. The non-conference schedule for Duke, and we'll we'll get more into this part of it uh, when we have uh, when we have our Duke specific pod in a couple of weeks here. Um, man, Coach K really did not schedule as aggressively as he perhaps should have if he wants to put his team in better position for a high double tournament seed, and then. If, if Duke's going to be in that position to uh, compete for a national championship, make a Final Four, I'm going to tell you, caro has got to be a top-five player in the country, which is obviously possible. Wendell Moore's got to make a pretty big jump. Um, he had 9.7 points, 4.8 boards last season. He was 48% from two. Oh, okay. 30% from three. He's got to be better. He's got to make a jump. And I think that he probably will, but I think that's mandatory. And then Mark Williams, who you mentioned, should be one of the top ten centers in, the, in America He only played 36% of the minutes last year available to him, averaged 4.5 shots per game. I think he's going to crack our top 101 players list, and that's probably fair, because I think when you look at Duke's roster, Vancaro will clearly be the best player. I would say Wendell will be two, and then AJ Griffin's got a a knee injury. I don't think he's going to... We don't know if he'll for sure be available for the start of the season or whatever, but I don't think he's going to. Um but I would expect either Mark Williams or Trevor Keels will will be in that you know number three spot for the Blue Devils overall. Um, can the guys that are returning, you mentioned them all, more Williams, Jeremy Roach, uh, an important guy in the backcourt there who averaged 8.7 points last season, can they make the jump as well? I think Duke is the objective and fair preseason favorite. That's reflected in your rankings, in my rankings, in the ACC preseason poll which was released on Tuesday. I think that is fair. I don't think it by any means, sets up Duke as the definitive favorite. I don't think the space between Carolina and Florida State, which I think are the two closest teams to them, Virginia fans, and I'll get to the who's in a minute here. Um, we have a compelling race at the top, but in my opinion with this league, it's compelling because the conference doesn't have a lot of gaps at the top and the teams that might be chasing in the two, three, four, five 3, 5 spot.
0: The counter argument to Duke is the favorite to win the ACC title, I think starts with Duke never wins the ACC title. Mm-hmm. They haven't won one since 2010. Do you realize Virginia has won at least a share of five ACC regular season titles since Duke last won one?
1: Mm-hmm. I do. Virginia? and Duke, Yeah, Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then. And Duke last won a standalone title in trivia time. The- to 2015. No, standalone regular season title. ACC. Oh, oh. 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 You were uh, on a hot streak. It's hard to go four I mean, for four. It is hard to go four for four. Duke last won a
0: standalone ACC title in
1: 2006. My man is feeling it these days. He's Red rolling. Rad hot. Wow. Rad
0: hot. Wow. Red hot.
1: You are red Hat. By the way, I'm going to give a shout out right now. We are, Our attention was drawn to the fact that uh, that there was a user on Reddit who compiled all of last season's Trivia Times, broke it down statistically, you know, to the surprise of very few people. I wound up, I wound up winning that. But we're not really chasing, you know, stats <laughs> like that. But that's really cool and speaks to our awesome listenership. So I believe the user on Reddit was UMD Terps, and I told that person they would be getting a shout out on a near podcast. So you're getting that shout out right now. Um, I will link that in the pod description. That was a really cool bonus, and since we organically you know, brought a- another trivia time into this, I wanted to give them a shout. But yes, 2006 was the last standalone regular season championship in the ACC for Duke, and it's been more than a decade since they could even claim co-ownership there. You are right. The recent history doesn't suggest this to be possible. Um, if I'm going to return yet another serve on you and make a case for Duke, it would just be what I said before— Uh, I just don't see a lot of heavy hitters. National championship contenders. If you want to whittle that pool down to 8 to 10 to 12 teams, I think Duke is the only team from the ACC that's in that. And if you really wanted to make a case against Duke, I think you could have one there too. And if you did that, you might be saying, in essence, the ACC doesn't have a true national championship contender.
0: Trivia time! Okay! As noted, Virginia has won at least a share of five of the past eight regular season titles. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: Five years of the past eight years, Virginia has been at least co-champion. Right. In that same eight-year span, only two other schools have won at least a share of an ACC title. Name those schools.
1: Virginia and Florida State. Ding,
0: ding, ding.
1: (laughs) Was that too easy? That's just too easy. Yeah, just because they've been the only ones that have really been in... Uh, in the mix there, I think. I, I thought maybe UNC, but I I lean toward Wahoos and Seminoles as of late. Oh, no, 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 no. What did you say? No. I, uh, Only two other schools besides Virginia. Oh, Florida State, UNC. Sorry, if I said yeah, Virginia. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. okay, so we're rolling.
0: We're rolling. <laughs> Here's the point. Over the past eight years, nobody has finished at the top of the ACC other than Virginia, Florida State, or North Carolina. So it should be unsurprising, I think, at the preseason poll, list the team that most people believe is going to be the best team in the ACC, and that's most humans and computers. Ken Palm, Torvik, they both have Duke top of the ACC. Duke's 10th in both of those computers. Um, So the top four in the ACC poll, it's Duke and the three schools that have won ACC titles in the past eight years, Florida State, North Carolina, and Virginia. Florida State won an outright title in 2020, UNC won the outright in 2016 and 17, and then UNC shared it with UVA in 2019, and every other year is an outright Virginia um, is an outright Virginia regular season title. Um, so I, I've got Virginia in my top 25 and one. I also have them fourth in the ACC, but this is where you're really just trusting Tony Bennett, which right. I don't think is dumb, but you're really just trusting Tony Bennett. He lost his top three scores, Sam Hauser, Jay Huff, Trey Murphy, and he only brings back two players who averaged at least 8.6 minutes
1: per game. They're preseason 45th at Kenpah. It's tough. That's one of my five biggest storylines. So here's what I got. Coach K retirement. Hubert at UNC, we'll get to that in a minute. Number three, what I just mentioned, the league just not being elite. Talent pool collectively lower than it's been. Only headlining freshman in this league is Paolo Banquero. No one else. Maybe we see like a Keels or a Griffin moving there, but not a lot of like high-level freshman talent here. Number four. Matthew Cleveland at Florida State. Yeah. Don't... It's I, Florida State's a five-star. He's a five-star. I I don't know if he'll wind up being more than the fourth most important player on that. I, I, to,
0: to your point, how about this? We had to turn in our ACC ballots earlier in the week, mm-hmm. and it's like top three for player of the year, coach of the year, freshman of the year. And on freshman of the year, I went paulo and then i was like okay now what do i do so like i I hear what you're saying
1: here's what i had i got a little spicy with it paulo benny williams at syracuse because i think he'll wind up having the numbers and then i actually went trevor keels third that was my one two three i thought about cleveland but eh, i just don't know if he'll have the numbers there but exactly i think i I went ben Carroll, cleveland griffin i think something like that storyline four and then five is gonna be virginia we can continue on that thread you have roy retire kay's gonna retire who's next Will we see Larry Naggett retire at the end of the season? Jim Beheim, is he going to continue to coach his kids and only his kids or is he going to and retire, is he going to continue on? Mike Bray is nearing the end of his contract. I don't think he'll be retiring after the end of this year, although there is a the thought that if Notre Dame really stinks, maybe they sever ties at the end of the season. I don't think Notre Dame's going to really stink. But the point is, another big storyline in the ACC this year, is we're in the midst of some big changes. Not just the Hall of Fame legends, but some of the older established coaches that have been to Final Fours and done really good things in the tournament. Um, we'll see on that. And then my fifth storyline is I have it right here. Will Virginia have its worst team in almost a decade? I think from a talent perspective, if if Virginia fans are really honest with themselves and look at this year's roster and compare it to basically every other roster since, you know, 12, 2012, 2013 and on, um, I think this could be the least talented that Virginia has had. Now, if it wasn't if it was this roster and Tony Bennett wasn't coaching Virginia, then I would have had UVA easily outside my top 40, but I give Tony Bennett a whole hell of a lot of credit and the benefit of the doubt. I have UVA fourth. Um, but that will be something to keep an eye on. Kihe Clark returns. He averaged 9.5 points and 4.5 assists last season. He's probably Virginia's best player. They do bring in Jaden Gardner, who for his career the past three seasons at ECU, that's two straight podcasts the East Carolina Pirates have been discussed <laughs> on the Ion College Basketball podcast. Can almost guarantee that will not happen again for the next 10 years. Um Jane Gardner averaged 18 points and 8.7 boards with the Pirates in a really respectable 23.1 per, according to College Sports Reference. So he's going to get his, and then it's a matter of will it be Reese, be Reese Beekman, who averaged, you know, less than five points in 29 minutes a game last season. There's a lot to be discovered there with Virginia, but I'm going to give them the benefit of the doubt. But to me, those are the five biggest storylines because Virginia almost always is, but this year it's more, you know, will this team again find a way? Are we going to look up? you know, three-fourths of the way through the league season, GP, and see the Cavaliers, like, tied for first with two other teams, which won't stun us, but at the same time, um, I do think there's a real possibility that we could see uh, the Cavs just wind up being six or seven in the league. There was
0: a time when Bo Ryan was still coaching at Wisconsin when I just slotted Wisconsin into the preseason top 25-1 and every year because they were always one of the 26 best teams in the country, regardless of whether it looked like they were going to be or not. It didn't matter who they were enrolling, who they were bringing back. They were always good. And I just, I think I even wrote about it. Like I will, I will always have Wisconsin in the preseason top 25 and one as long as Bo's the coach. And I i did, I stood by that. And I feel the same way about Virginia. Now I've got them 26th, you know, I've got them at, at the, but I was like, they're, they're going to go in there because I trust Tony Bennett. And the reason you trust him is because Virginia's finished top 20 at Ken Palm in seven of the past eight seasons, top 10 in five of the past eight. But... Boy, when you look at the roster, I'll, I'll put it this way. You take this roster, put it in different uniforms with a different coach, you ain't even looking at it. And so and so, if, if Virginia is good, it will be because of the guy on the sideline. But the guy on the sideline is great, so Virginia's probably got a chance to be good.
1: Let's talk Carolina here. Hubert Davis, that's the him coaching Carolina, clearly the number two storyline heading into the ACC this season. Um Number six, by the way, is the fact that Leaky Black is back in a Tar Heel uniform. I think we all know that, so let's talk Leaky Black. But more um, more importantly, I think the play of Armando Baycott, who averaged you know 12-8 and 8 last season, 47% from two-point range. He only took one three. I think the plan is for him to step out and shoot a little bit more this season. We'll see if that winds up coming to be. Um, and then the play of Caleb Love. You know, highly touted p- point guard coming in. Averaged 10.5 points, 3.6 assists, 3.1 turnovers per game. Shot just 35% from two and 27% from three. We mentioned Dawson Dawson Garcia earlier. I think he's a really important second-year player. Spent a year at Marquette. Then his coach gets fired. He makes his way down to Chapel Hill. I think he will be one of the top three players on this roster by the end of the season. We both have Carolina as um, a tournament team, a top 25 team. But we have to see how Huber Davis is going to do with this. Um, What are your thoughts on the Heels? And and, then, you know, just broadly speaking, GP, expectations for me... A lot of this depends on the play of Caleb Love at the point. For you, as you've assembled your rankings throughout the offseason, as we get ready to make the turn to November, um, what should Carolina fans be, I think, reasonably expecting in the first campaign under Hubert?
0: I think they're going to be good. I've got them second in the ACC, 15th in the top 25 and one. I like the roster. Like, I look at Virginia's roster. I don't like it at all. I just like Tony. I don't like the roster. I like this roster. Baycott's good. Caleb Love. Should be good. R.J. Davis, Kerwin Walton. I mean, that's, that's that's four players there who average at least 20 minutes per game for a tournament team. We bring them all back. Add Dawson Garcia, uh, Brady Manick, mm-hmm. two impact transfers, and then you get Lukey Black back. He, <laughs> all jokes aside, he did take a little bit of a step back last he did. season.
1: It, no, it was. It,
0: yeah. <laughs> Points, assists, rebounds—all slightly down, but down. Minutes down, three-point percentage down.
1: He might need to be. You know what? He might be on the on the on the edge here of the intro of the podcast. I got to be honest. We need to have standards here. You know, he might need to step it up. I'm just saying. We we
0: we need about Leaky needs a back a bounce back season. Hubert needs Leaky to have a bounce back season. And by bounce back, I I think I'm what I'm really mean is breakthrough <laughs> actually just bouncing back to where he was even yeah. before last season, not that great. Yeah. So like, let's have a, let's have a breakthrough season. Cause last season was 5.6 point, 4.9 rebounds, 2.4 assist in 27.6 minutes per game. So he plays a lot, just doesn't produce a lot. Although, um you know he does things you know he he adds value on the court other than you know those traditional statistics but um yeah it needs to needs to be obviously a little better or we're just not going to have much opportunity to talk about him and this is a place where we do we do like to sometimes talk about leaky black
1: that's correct um let's do a quick tour on the top half of the league so florida state louisville virginia tech syracuse here's what i here's how i'd say gp Duke, UNC, FSU, UVA, Louisville, Virginia Tech. those That's the group where I feel most comfortable if I'm projecting NCAA tournament teams. Those six from the ACC. I put Syracuse just a notch. I personally put them just a notch lower and then almost on the, its own tier. Um, and then I get to the rest of the league, which we can wrap the pod with in a minute. But um, FSU has Caleb Mills who averaged 13 points in 39 career games, only played four games last season before bailing on Houston. They bring back Anthony Polite, who's a 10-5 and guy who's going to need to make a jump. And then I think one of the big breakout players in the league this season will be Raquan Evans. He only averaged five points in 19 minutes a game, but I think he is the breakout player in the conference who was there last season in the league and is going to return to the league this season. I, I do trust Leonard Hamilton here. So we both, again, we have UNC2. FSU three. Um, don't,
0: forget, don't forget about Cam Ron Fletcher.
1: That's true. That's true. My man had,
0: my man had an outburst on the Kentucky sideline last season.
1: Oh, forgot ranked, about that.
0: Ranked, ranked 68th in the class of 2020. And then mad, he's not playing a lot of Kentucky.
1: I know. Dude, you if expect? you're
0: ranked outside of the top 65 and you go to Kentucky, you probably ain't playing a lot. I We should have talked about this before you even enroll. That's
1: how it is. But now he's going to try and find a, a career rediscovery under Leonard. So, FSU there. Uh, I'll just real quick roll off Louisville and Virginia Tech. Give me your thoughts. Malik Williams, four um, five for the cards. Elite defender. Um, might be one of the three best defenders in the conference by the end of the season. Uh, redshirt sophomore fo- forward, Jalen Withers. He's probably the most talented player on the roster. Averaged 10 and almost 8 last season. Wing Samuel Williamson averaged 9 and 8. Um, I think he's going to get closer to getting to get into his ceiling. I like Louisville, but at the same time, man... Um, they feel like an overall mystery to me, and I don't know if they have a guy, guy to a closer, if you will. And then Virginia Tech, uh, getting no shortage of love. We talked about them on a recent pod as well. Cave Aluma. kind of a clear-cut preseason top five guy in the league. Fifteen and eight last season. Storm Murphy comes in as a forty-one percent three-point shooter. Uh, played at Wofford under Mike Young, and then is going to tr- transfer there this year. He averaged eighteen points last season. And then Justin Muts back as a ten and six guy. Hokies are in a good spot again, and they've—I think—they've got to be pleased, and that fan base has to be pleased in this regard. Um, historically, not a good program when Buzz Williams got there. Buzz did turn it around, and then you hire Mike Young, who was riding uh, a long career at Wofford, but he was—he had kind of hit his peak there. And to this point, the Virginia Tech has not dropped, and it doesn't look like it's going to drop this season. Uh, and that's evidenced by the fact that I think you and I both have the Hokies projected to make the NCAA tournament.
0: Sure. I've got Virginia Tech fifth in the ACC behind what is the consensus top four of Duke, Florida State, North Carolina, Virginia. But there will be, n- I think Virginia Tech can be as good as any of those teams other than Duke.
1: Yeah. They are like your dark if, horse. Yes.
0: Yeah. Like if you told me, because Virginia Tech, as we talked about on a recent podcast, um, unranked in the top eight preseason eight people. But if you told me to, and I, you, we did, we, discuss this specifically team unranked in the preseason that could bounce into the top 10 you know within the first month six weeks of the season virginia tech would be my pick because i think they've got the players to do it they got the coach to do it and they got the schedule to do it they get um a bunch of bye games to start then they play memphis and memphis will be favored in that game but you know by what 3 4 points and if they beat memphis then i think they get I think the way it goes they get xavier two nights later you win that one, and if you're not already ranked, you are guaranteed to be ranked the Monday after Thanksgiving.
1: That's true. Um, what else sticks out to you in this league? And that big old notepad of yours, 15 teams, man, by the way. This is the biggest conference in America. The ACC has 15 teams. Uh, that will no longer be true when the SEC gets to 16. Uh, but be it, you know, guys at the bottom, teams in the middle, when you look over this, what's what stands out in the ACC?
0: Well, you know, Josh Pastner did a, a wonderful job with Georgia Tech last season, but boy, they, they lose a lot. And I think they were picked 10th in the preseason uh, ACC poll after finishing fourth in the league last season. So that's a pretty big drop, but Georgia Tech is, is not one of those places where you just reload when you... You know, you lose three guys, and then you just replace them with three super talented guys who are ready to be impactful, and you don't really miss much. Like Florida State, they, they just reload. Um, North Carolina can reload, Duke can reload. It's hard to do that at these other schools. Most of the other schools in the league, um, and and so Carolina, I mean, uh, and so Georgia Tech probably going to take a is expected to take a, a pretty big step back because when you lose the dudes that they lost off of last season's team it is basically impossible to, to to make up for it in one recruiting class.
1: Um, yeah, Michael DeVoe, 15 3 guy. Can he carry the group? That's the question. I don't know if that's going to happen. Do you agree with me, by the way, more importantly, that um, Josh Pastner is the closest parallel to Ted Lasso of any college basketball head coach?
0: I do love a locker room. It smells like potential. And am I getting notes of X body spray?
1: He's got to be, right? The dude bought a coronavirus pinata and had his team bond over smashing it and eating candy last season (laughs)
0: like i wish i had the clip in front of (laughs) me that one he walks in with it and that one player is like is that a is that a covid pinata i said yes it's a covid pinata (laughs) it was like it was like if you took michael scott and put him in that locker room and had him reenact that moment as Josh Pastor, it would fit perfectly into any episode yes. of The Office. Yes. It made me laugh so much. And so I saw when you wrote, at some point, college basketball's Ted Lasso is Josh Pastor. And um, knowing Josh, for as long as I've known him, I, I think that... Uh, that fits. That, if anyone's going to have
1: a, a homemade believe sign over the locker room door, all of it, man. He just needs... See, the thing is, he doesn't have the stash. He's got the bushy old... He's got the sideburn look going on right now, but Hey, good for him. And I say that earnestly. And, and as a compliment, like he is the closest thing, um, to Ted Lasso side note, Nate actually is Satan on that show. Um, elsewhere. Oh, the, oh I, I hate Nate so much. Uh, he's brutal.
0: He's brutal. He is awful. What an awful, <laughs> awful know.
1: person. Bad, bad. I know. I, yeah, that was, uh, Oh gosh. My wife has a huge issue with the, the way they took that character. Anyway. Um, it oh, did kind of come out of nowhere. I, it- I feel like it did actually. I, I that felt it, it felt abrupt. Let's be let's let's just be a sports writers for a moment and just quickly quickly get off the soft ramp here. I, I did like season two and spoilers. I guess if you're not caught up, you know, fast forward forty five seconds. Um, the Nate stuff did feel too contrived. That was the one part of the second season. I like season one more than season two, and I think most people did as well. Um, uh You know, Rebecca and Sam dating felt weird. I don't, like, is that ever happening in real life, really? And then the Nate stuff just, they set the table for it early. Like, I get that. Like, I think the scene from season one where he's, like, super harsh and insulting the players, and it's funny, but you can kind of see where, like, a lot of that stuff is pent up in him. But I don't know, man. That just felt like I didn't I didn't agree with like the way that he was going at Ted and I just finished season two literally like five days ago, so it's still fresh in the mind. That's that's why I brought it up.
0: I I liked season two. Um I the thing I was the thing when I was watching, that, I was like, Ooh, every writer out there is gonna hate this. Oh yeah. When the when the reporter gives up his yes. source to
1: Ted, that just would never happen. Nobody it, would ever do that. It would never happen. But they made up for it in the finale. When yeah, he they turned made up in. for it, yeah. but like, still, it doesn't get past the the fact
0: that that would never that's happen. That's <laughs> that's not, that's not I mean, happening. Fine, he, got, he, he got fired for it, as he as you would, but nobody would ever do that. Nobody no would sure. ever be like, "Hey, I had to write the story. It's uh, very critical of you, and exposes something you didn't want anybody to know about. And here's my source.
1: Like nobody would that ever." In a million happen. years, do I know. That. It I, does not happen like that. Are you kidding me? That's if you want to wait a way to. Make sure you never get any more sources ever again. Do that seriously. Let alone have a job. Anyway, um, Ted Lasser review in the books. Real quick on the rest of the league. Uh, uh Buddy Bayheim, are you ready for Buddy Bayheim to maybe be the best player in the conference? Hey, Paolo's the front runner. Don't get me wrong, but we could have a situation here where Buddy Bayheim's dropping, you know, twenty a night and getting cues to the uh, to the NCAA tournament there.
0: I'm surprised he isn't getting more preseason, like all American attention. Like I voted for him. I don't know where he ended up on our list. I'd have to look at that. He might not have ended up there at all. I'm not sure. But like I voted. I, he was unbelievable late last season. <laughs> he was very like, good. What, like like everybody, like everybody focused on Johnny. Ju, buddy, 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 Johnny, Johnny, thing went to the final four. So he like, it is what it is. But buddy was balling. Like he was one of the best players in the country. And I don't know why people some people act like that didn't happen (laughs) like he's gonna be all i think i'm assuming
1: he's gonna be great i don't know it might be some weird deal where like he's not getting quite the full credit because of his last name i don't quite get it i don't know he'll be very good but syracuse needs joe Girard to make a significant jump this season i mentioned benny williams good freshman and then they got cole swider from villanova in. uh buddy Beheim might actually be be able to be even better if swider can step in and be a, a pretty reliable shooter um what do you Full got? Spoiler alert! I just looked. Buddy we do have him as a second team All American okay. preseason. Well, we'll so talk. About, we'll talk about that on the episode tomorrow when we reveal all our preseason awards. Um, not uh, as for the rest of the league, I want to touch on every team here real quick because it is an ACC preview. We are running a little long. I'll go reverse order here because the only the team I find most interesting we haven't talked about it, is Notre Dame, and I've got him just below Syracuse. But we'll go reverse order. BC, I think, will be the worst. It's got Earl Grant that just stepped in. Uh, Makai Ashton-Langford is back. Um, there's just not a lot there. This is a tough job in a tough league, and I think it's going to be the last. I've got Wake in that penultimate spot. I think I could be wind up being too low, but like Jake LaRavia is an Indiana State transfer, and it might be Wake's best player. Like... Your thoughts on Virginia are kind of my thoughts on Wake in terms of roster when I look at it. Just not a lot. And Pitt is the same way. I got these three teams I have clogged together. I think this is the draw line above all the teams above this. Pitt, Wake, and BC, I think, are the clear-cut bottom three. To me, at least. They're three best players transferred out. Uh, The best returning player is a guy who averaged nine points last season. Uh, Ithiel Horton. I don't know. Like, I actually liked that Capel hire. Remember, Capel got the job after Hurley turned down Pitt and took UConn i I do think ultimately i do i do think that Pitt will be in a good spot with cable as the head coach there, but at this point, fair to say before I get to the other team's g p like they are not at the stage that you and I thought they would be at and probably the stage they should be at with him as coach. we would agree
0: yeah I mean it, you know, they were picked 14th in the preseason ACC poll yeah I, yeah, I thought they'd be in a different place than that at this point It doesn't mean that I don't think jeff can or will get it turned around. I, I I think he will. I like the hire too. I will say you and I are both for the one-time transfer waiver. It makes building a program very difficult mm-hmm. because you you can't like, like Buzz Williams, when he took over Virginia tech, it was like, okay, I'm going to come in, start from nothing. And I'm going to build this thing. I'm going to enroll some under the radar guys and we're going to develop them and, and coach them and build this into a thing. The reality of college basketball coaching right now, I think this is gonna be a real problem for some of these guys, is that you can't really plan on building anything. You're 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 you you're putting together a new team often year to year. And so trying to come in and have a three year plan, that's like what some guys will at least privately say when they take a job. All right, like it's gonna take us three years, but 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 like this goes the way I think it's gonna go in year three, you know, we're gonna be right where we wanna be. Well, these, you don't have any idea what your roster is going to look like in three years, regardless of what your roster looks like right now. You have no – there is a, a chance that the roster you have right now, three years from now, no players, not zero carryover. And so you can't build. You just have to – you have to assemble year to year, and you have to do it at the same time Duke and Carolina and Kentucky are trying to do the same thing you're doing. It's just – it's – all these guys make a lot of money. And so they're well compensated to do a hard job. But if you're in the bottom half of a league like this now, your job is really, really hard.
1: Yeah, very hard. And those are going to be the bottom three teams, I think. Um, moving up, Miami. They've got a really, really good lead guard named Isaiah Wong. Average 17 and 5, 5 being the rebounds and not the assist there. He's a really good player. Preseason first team selection Miami doesn't exactly get guys like that every single season in the ACC. So he's fun and worth watching. Uh, they've got uh, Cameron McGustin,. How about this? I'd love any listener input if anyone knows. Charlie Moore is on this roster. Charlie Moore <laughs> <laughs> started his career at Cal. Okay, let me see if I can go through it. Cal? Yes.
0: Is this a trivia time?
1: Mm, no, we'll just, this is a freebie.
0: Okay, Cal, Kansas. That's right. How about, let's start, let's start first, and we can, initially committed to Josh Pastner at Memphis, all right? That's, yes. Initially committed to Josh Pastner at Memphis, Josh goes to Georgia Tech, Charlie Moore's back on the market, Cal, then Kansas. That's right.
1: Then DePaul. That's right. And now, and and now, Miami. Miami, I want to know how many other players playing this season are on their fourth team. (laughs) <laughs> I, I'm not even mad. It's impressive. So, uh, you know, just to, uh, your Charlie Moore update. Like he is the actual player where you get these, you know, like Hey Clark's been playing since he was with Ralph Sampson kind of deal, like all that typical stuff. Charlie Moore is actually that dude. He's been on all of these teams although he hasn't been on teams that have found widespread success, but uh but good on him, man. He is he is getting the most out of his college experience. Uh moving up, NC. Well, he,
0: well how about this? He committed to to Josh Pastor at Memphis? And Josh ain't been at Memphis since 2016.
1: I know. (laughs) He's going to be playing in 2022. It's it's wild. Um, NC State has Manny Bates back. He's a great rim protector, efficient scorer. Sophomore point guard Cam Hayes is good. They got a freshman to quit. I didn't know much better. That would be if it was Imani Bates. (laughs) (laughs) NC State's outlook with Imani Bates might be a little. But don't be smirch. Manny Bates. He actually is a, he's a quality ACC player. He is. Uh, he'll have no, no,
0: that He walks around. He's like, yeah, I'm Manny Bates. Like Manny Bates. No, 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 I'm Manny Bates. Oh, okay. Nice to meet you. I
1: guess. It's
0: tough. It's oh. a tough life.
1: Um, Turquavian Smith is a freshman for NC State. This is going to be good. Clemson, there's not a lot of there there. they got to, uh, you know, replace some really productive uh, scores. But I still think Clemson will find a way to be, you know, 10th at worst in the ACC. Georgia Tech we mentioned before. And then we'll wrap with Notre Dame. Uh, senior point guard Prentice Hub is back. He averaged 14.6 points and almost six dimes last season. But I'm not sure if he's the best player. It might be Nate Lasheski, who shot 70, 70% from two, 43% from three last season and is a power wing. That's how I, I would best describe him. And the fact that they get Yale transfer Paul Atkinson, who was last seen in the 2019-20 season because the Ivy League didn't have basketball last season, he averaged 17 points and seven boards. And having him as kind of a yin to Leschewski's Lach- uh, yang I think is pretty good. Notre Dame is a trendy team to break through and kind of return to form. That might wind up being their top 30 Ken Palm team. Mike Bray is over- Overdue for a good season. I mentioned before, if they're bad, if they're, you know, 500 or worse, then who knows? Maybe there's a change there. Maybe there isn't because obviously he's beloved in that area and he's the winningest coach in the history of fighting Irish men's hoops. But um, outside of the top and obvious teams, to me, the team with the most intrigue and potential uh, is Notre Dame, who I would slot right behind Syracuse, who I have right behind that group of six we talked about before. Notre Dame 27th at Kempom behind only Duke Florida State. So
0: earlier I said there's a consensus top 4, but that's mostly a consensus top 4 in the ACC among humans. Kempom's got Notre Dame in the top 3, so it is at least expect there's some evidence to support the idea that that maybe Mike Drew, uh, Mike Bray, Mike Drew, Mike Bray can actually have the bounce back season that uh that he needs because he had that Notre Dame program operating consistently at a good level for a while, and uh, it's it's fallen off a little bit, but this might be the season uh, where where it bounces back. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Patrick Fields, legend. Shouts to Larnell. And thank you, guys and girls, for listening. Once again to the Island College Basketball Podcast in the middle of the dumbest pandemic of my lifetime. Woo, it's getting dumber by the day. Do you see a football coach quit a three million? He got fired from a $3 million-a-year job because he wouldn't take a shot like billions of people have already taken.
1: I. I- Thankful we don't have a coach in men's college basketball, That's at least to our knowledge. Maybe there's a rogue one out there, but I don't think so. But thankfully, there's not a coach out there doing the same thing because this, this, this has been – it hasn't dominated college football coverage, but it's been obviously a, a very heavy story of interest. But imagine, imagine walking away for more than $3 million a year because you wouldn't take a shot that almost 3 billion people on the planet have taken.
0: I would let you give a Pfizer shot directly into my pupil – For $3 million right now. (laughs) But I would also take any shot. Other than a lethal injection. I would take any shot to keep my $3 million a year job. What are we doing? Like you said, (laughs) dumbest. It's the dumbest pandemic ever. There's no getting around it. If you haven't subscribed yet, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts. We'd appreciate it while you're there. Uh, Rate it. Review it. Five stars. Nice comments. We will talk to you again tomorrow. Till then, take care.